Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. A listener's note. Please be aware this episode includes graphic descriptions of traumatic events such as sexual abuse and violence. Please practice self-care before listening. I've been through a lot, and I'm here. Don't give up. As much as you feel low and down and and dirty, because that's how I felt things, you still got to remember, I'm alive. You lived here your whole life, but they're trying to take you out. You fight to stay here. You do what you need to do to fight to stay here. This is your home. This is Unerased. The Deportation of Adoptees in America, a podcast co-produced by Focus Features and Treefort Media in support of the film Blue Bayou. I'm your host, Dino Ray Ramos, founder and editor of Diaspora. In this five-part series, we're hearing real stories from men and women who were internationally adopted by Americans and spent their entire lives completely unaware that they were not American citizens themselves until they were sent away. This is a heartbreaking reality that affects more than 35,000 adult adoptees in the United States. And yet, the majority of Americans have no idea this crisis is happening for so many. Their stories deserve to be heard. This is Crystal Moran's story in her own words. My name is Crystal Moran, and I'm 28 years old. I was born in El Salvador but I was brought to America when I was three months. I lived in New York City, the Bronx, and then I moved to Vermont, and then Pennsylvania. And I currently live in Pennsylvania right now, in Reading. Crystal was just three months old when her biological mother brought her from El Salvador to the United States. Crystal became the youngest of eight to her adopted family. Living in New York City, I remember... My father was a maintenance in a building where we lived, and we lived in the basement, but it was apartment-wise. And I just remember always helping my mom, like, um, fold up the clothes outside, the garden, our, our dogs. I, I had a really beautiful childhood. I can never say I had a, a wrong childhood. My parents always gave me everything I needed. I remember going to school, going to the Bronx Zoo for my school trip. It was just, I had I had a great childhood. Crystal is related to her adoptive parents. They are her aunt and uncle. But to Crystal, they've always been mom and dad. 
Oh my God. My parents, my parents are my heart. They are my best friends. Um, my mom, I talk to her every single day. Even though I am adopted, my mom never ever made me feel like I was adopted. My parents are my best friends. They are everything to me. I talk to them every single day. There's not a thing they don't know that's not going on with me. Today, Crystal has five children of her own, ages two to nine. Crystal's first relationship, the father of her two oldest children, was one of abuse. Thankfully, now she's with her incredible partner of eight years, Danny. I've been with Danny for eight years. He is the father of Braden, Ezekiel, and Riley. He is amazing. He's, he's helped me so much. He saved my life. Um, I met him the one day um, my previous partner and I had gotten into a physical altercation and my daughter was six months and I was bleeding. I was I had a busted lip. I was not so well and Danny's mom used to live next to me and I ran over there to help and I had my six month old baby with me and because of me dripping blood, I was dripping blood on her and Danny opened the door because of me being so bloody and so everything couldn't recognize me. Like he got scared. And I was like, Can I speak to your mom? And he was like, Can I are is your daughter bleeding? Like and I was like, No, I think it's my blood. He took my daughter out of my hands, wiped her, cleaned her up while his mom like helped me clean up and stuff like that. And ever since then we were friends at first because I was still with um Charles, which is my baby's father. I was still with him and he was actually with, um, he was with his partner, but we stood friends. And then there was a, a, a an altercation where my previous, um, he sexually assaulted me and I became pregnant from me. And that's my baby. That's my heart. She looks just like me. Well, they're all my heart, but that is, that's my baby right there. And, um, I had her, and then after that, there was one more incident between me and him that it was just like, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. And that's when Danny came in the picture, and um, Danny pretty much raised me up. And he's been through it with me through everything, my deportation, my everything, everything. He's just, he saved me a lot. He showed me how to love again. He showed me how to trust men again. Crystal's an angel, like she really is. She's always been a loving, caring person, amazing mother, friend. She'd give the shirt off her back if need be. And you know, that's the type of person she is. What happened to Crystal next set in motion a series of shocking and traumatic events no one should have to endure. The reason for Crystal's deportation, a so-called crime committed in 2015. I had caught a crime in 2000 well it's from 2015 and it was because i had an apartment and i had a co-worker at that time i was working at walmart and i had a co-worker and he was missing from his elbow down he was just missing that and um he was having a lot of trouble at home from what he had told me and then one day he told me he didn't have nowhere to go so me as a person i told him hey you can come here he was living with me but I told him that he would just have to help out because I was at that 
point, I, I was the only one working. And I had Ayana and Mia, and I was, um, no, I wasn't pregnant with Brayden. I just had Ayana and Mia at the time. Well, because of his conditions, I would help him. Like, I would wash his clothes, I would fold them, I would cook for him, I would clean for him, I would do what he needed. That kind of came into a romance where he started catching feelings for me, but I wasn't feeling like I was not up for the relationship because I was the Daniel, Danny at the time. So I had told him that it can't be, like, there's no way we can only be friends. Unfortunately, the one day I had went food shopping and my girls were sleeping, so I put them up and I put them upstairs. And when I'm picking the groceries up, I hear my daughter scream. My oldest daughter, Ayana, I hear her scream. And usually I know my daughter screams. Like, I know when she wakes up. And then, But this was like a hurt scream. So when I ran up and I asked Ayana, Ayana, what happened? She told me that Mikey had hit her. So that put me into mama bear mode and I lost it. I lost it and I pretty much told him to grab the shit and get out. I threw his stuff out the window. Uh, some of his stuff did hit his truck. I'm not gonna lie, it did hit his truck. But I was angry. You're not gonna hit my child. I'm sorry. There's nobody that's gonna hit my child. A police report was filed and Crystal was charged with theft by deception. Crystal spent September 2016 to December 2016 in jail. Crystal remembers the first week she was in jail. ICE came to see her. They asked standard questions, her date of birth, about her mom and dad, but never asked her about her citizenship status. I got adopted in Vermont. My birth certificate is from Vermont. I got a social security from Vermont. And when my mom became a citizen, because she had put paperwork in for me, but it was denied. So my mom went and asked again, why was it denied? They never responded to her why it was denied. An officer told her that if she just became a citizen, it would help me because like I was an underage, it would just make sure that when she put the application in, that I would be on the application. So that's what she did. When she called and told them, hey, I got my citizenship, my daughter, what they told her was, oh no, it automatically goes to your daughter that she's underage. So when all of this was going on, in her mind, she thinks I'm a US citizen because she became a citizen before I was 18. And when all of this came out, she was like, but I don't get it. I was three months old. I had no power over myself. They said if they had any more questions, they would come back. They didn't until two years later. On June 28, 2018, at six o'clock in the morning, Crystal heard a knock on the door. I can never forget that day. I was getting ready for work and somebody was knocking on the door. And at that time I was living with a cousin and she opened the door for them. And they came in and they were like, you need to come with us, you need to see an immigration lawyer. And I said, what is immigration? And they were like, it's when you're not a US citizen. And you have to see a judge if he's going to allow you to stay or if he's going to deport you. And I'm like, deport me? Deport me to where? And they were like, from my understanding, El Salvador. I said, what? I said, I've never been to El Salvador. I don't know nobody in El Salvador. I have no clue what El Salvador is. Like, no, you guys can't do this. From June to September, Crystal was in a county program for immigration. 
ICE agents told her she could apply for asylum, but never informed her what the requirements were. When she saw a judge, she was denied asylum and told she had 30 days to appeal the decision. They didn't give me my 30 days. They took me out in 14 days. They woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and said, pack your stuff to leave me. I thought, okay, I'm going home. Like They're like, no, you're getting deported. Crystal was being deported, away from her family and her children, including her two-month-old daughter. She loves and adores our kids, like, I can't, I can't explain it, like, I really can't, but I just know she, deep down, she, she really loves and cares for our kids, even especially when she was gone and made it even harder because it's just like, you know, is she ever going to come back and see the kids or, you know, are the kids ever going to see her again? Like, yo, how could they do this? Like, like, how is this even possible? Like, this is America. Like, why, like, why are they doing this for? Like, I can understand other countries because we're not from the other countries. We're from, you know, we're from America. There's this one thing that the ICE agent did to me that brought me down, but at the same time brought me up, was when they were deporting me, um, when you get deported, you have to sign. And um, I told them I wasn't signing. So they had, I was handcuffed. And while I was handcuffed, he took my finger and he forced it on the paper. And when I told him, what about my kids? Like, my kids need me. He laughed at me and said, you'll never see them again. And he laughed at me. Now, it hurt me. Oh, it hurt me. But it just pushed me because that was like, you know what? I'm going to show you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to see my kids now. Now I'm going to see my kids. For an adoptee like Crystal, being sent away from the only country and home you've known is life-shattering. Here is Blue Bayou star Alicia Vikander on that shared theme at the heart of the film. If you've grown up in one place, you obviously uh, um, will have your roots so brownly imprinted there uh, that it's hard to, to imagine that it would be anywhere else. I just think it's a crime to be able to take somebody away from their roots or whatever they consider is their home against their will and above anything for anyone to shatter a family. <laughs> Uh, especially if you have children involved. See the Focus Features film, Blue Bayou, written and directed by Justin Chan and starring Justin Chan and Alicia Vikander. Blue Bayou is only in theater September 17th. Now, back to Crystal's story. They put me in the airplane, and uh, while being in the airplane, I cried, my blood pressure was high. I was telling them, like, I can't do it, but I have a baby. So let me go, like, please let me go. But by then, I was already on a plane on top of El Salvador. We landed in El Salvador, and we went to the immigration station. And the immigration station, they didn't know who I was. They didn't have no documents of me. They didn't have no travel documents of me. They didn't know who I was. 
In order to release Crystal, they needed to find someone in El Salvador she was related to. A birth sister of Crystal was identified. Someone Crystal had never met or had any knowledge of existing. Very quickly, Crystal realized this discovery of a long-lost sister would not be the blessing she would have hoped for. So she came. People knew her, which, which was weird to me. But people had knew her in there. People were like, oh, hey, hey, like, how are you? Like, are you good? Shaking her hands and stuff like that. And at first, like, it gave me a cold vibe. Like, something in my stomach told me, uh-oh, this is a gut. So she signed. I went to her home. When I got there, I noticed that there was a lot of men there. And right there and then, I started, like, my instincts started kicking in. Like, what's going on? Who is she? And I hear her tell one of these men, this is the green guy that I was talking about. And automatically, one of them started approaching me and was like, oh, you're from America. She's like, you know, you have to pay a quota here to stay safe. He's like, but if you just become my woman, then you don't have to pay the quota, you'll be good. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't want to be your woman. Like, I'm not doing this. Crystal's cruel and terrifying nightmare continued on Halloween of 2018. On Halloween, I felt as it was set up, the way that everything went down, um, for the fact that they never invited me places. They never invited me to, like, the beach. They never invited me anywhere. And all of a sudden, they were inviting me to, like, this little festival. So I was like, okay, so I, I, I went. I went with her daughter, which is my niece. I went with her. And... The guy that was always, like, after me, like, telling me, like, hey, like, just be my woman. Like, you're going to you're gonna give it up to me. Like, pretty much, like, sexually harassing me. He was there. And I had a bad feeling. So I had told her, I said, don't leave my side. I was like, please don't leave me. I literally just turned around and she was gone. Gone. So luckily, um, I found her brother. And I told him, I was like, hey, can you walk me back to the house? Like, I don't know where I'm at. So he was like, yeah, I'll walk you back. He walked me maybe to like the corner. And while I'm walking back to the house, I get, uh, somebody hits me in the back of my head. And I go conscious. Like, I lost, like, I was on the floor. When I'm waking up, he's on top of me, raping me. And um, it was the worst. I froze. I couldn't. I didn't. I couldn't scream. I couldn't push him off me. Um, my instincts, because of a lot that has happened to me over the few years, my instinct was, don't fight him. Because if you fight him, you're going to get him angry and he could possibly kill you. And at that point, I'm thinking about my kids. I'm like, my kids need me. Like, they, they need a mother. So he finished. He got off top of me. I ran to the house. I called my sister. And I told her what happened. And she told me, wasn't the one to be like, oh, my God, are you okay? Like, nothing. She was like, you deserve it. She was like, you deserve it. She's like, you should have given it up willingly. She's like, there's nothing I can do. She pretty much told me that that was her family. 
With no one else to turn for help, Crystal went to the police. I lived in the United States my whole life. So what happens when something bad happens to you? You go to the police. I went to the police. When I told him who it was, he literally went to the back, made a phone call, and came back laughing and told me, you're just a gringa. He's like, you don't belong here. He was like, go back to where you belong. And he threatened me and told me that if I continue to try to make a police report, that he was going to do the same thing to me that was done to me. Right there, I was shocked. I was like, what? what? So when I was walking back to the house, I noticed that same officer talking to my rapist. And I just froze. I froze. I was like, oh, what am I gonna like? What am I gonna do? So I went into the house, and that day, um, there was a skeleton put in the yard, and they pointed it to it, and they said that that's what happened to that. And in my mind, I was like, I'm dead. I was like, I'm dead. They're gonna kill me. So I have wrote and I found a piece of paper and a pencil. And I wrote my children a letter, all my children. And I told them everything, how much I love them, how much I miss them. At that time I had my phone and I had sent long text messages to Danny. And I had told them like, give this to my, my kids and this letter's for you and this is for my parents. Crystal was being treated like a prisoner at her so-called home. She was locked up when they left the house. Phone calls with her mom had to be on speakerphone so they could listen. Her only saving grace was speaking to Danny in English because they didn't understand it. I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm coming home. And she was like, how are you coming home? And I was like, I'm going to do it how every other immigrant does it. I'm coming home. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to wait until I get killed. I'm not going to do it. There was a neighbor that she helped me a lot because the same thing happened to her daughter. But unfortunately, her daughter was killed. So she helped me get on a bus from El Salvador to Guatemala. Uh, you, while passing the borders of El Salvador and Guatemala, all you needed was an ID. But because I didn't have a Salvadorian ID, because I don't have a Salvadorian birth certificate, because there's nothing of me in El Salvador, over there, money talks. So as long as you give them a good amount, they will let you walk right through. So that's what they did. They let me walk right through. So I got to the border of Mexico and Guatemala, and I had to pay in American dollars, I think it was like $150 just for them to cross me from Guatemala into Mexico and put me in like the immigrant house in Tapachula, uh, Texas. So I paid it, they put me there. The immigration of Mexico found me, caught me pretty much. And they detained me for three weeks in the detention center and they deported me back to El Salvador. <laughs> When they did, I really knew what was coming. I really knew it because while being in Mexico, my sister had called me and she had told me, if you ever come back here, 
your mom's going to be planning your funeral. With nowhere else to turn, Crystal had no choice but to keep trying. So I went and I got another bus and did it all over again, back to Mexico. I was in Mexico for four months, traveling from town to town to town to town, making sure that immigration doesn't catch me. But by then, that's when COVID hit. So when COVID hit, that was like a blessing in disguise for me because immigration stopped working. They stopped checking the buses. Her trip was made even more difficult due to a horrifying and tragic complication. One thing about me that my mom does know, um, but my dad never found out that I was raped. But because of my rape, I was pregnant. I was traveling pregnant. Um, I didn't take the proper precautions during my pregnancy. I couldn't. It wasn't like I needed to go to a doctor. I had no papers. I had the little bit of money that I had. It was either for food or for traveling. So I had a high-risk pregnancy. And being high-risk got to the point where I wasn't watching myself. I was diabetic as well. So when it was time to have the baby, she wasn't alive. She was still born. As much, as much as I cried and it hurt me, there was nothing I can do. And I, I looked at it as another blessing in disguise because I already had one rape baby. I don't know how much I could take with two. That would have been just double the reminder of everything that happened to me. After more than a year since being deported, Crystal finally made it across the United States border where immigration held her at the El Valle Detention Center in Texas for nearly 11 months. When Crystal was finally released from immigration, after two years since being deported, she was reunited with Danny. It was me, my brother, and my sister-in-law, and, you know, I'm talking to her, she has her phone, and I'm, I have my phone, we're texting. I mean, yeah, you could say I was nervous, but excited at the same time, because, you know, my my wife, my everything is coming back home. So she literally just walked through the doors, and it was just, it was amazing. Like, I never thought I'd see that day in my life, never. And we we hug each other and we just, we didn't want to let each other go. Like it was just, like I said, it was the best feeling in the world. And knowing that I got my clean back. Crystal's deportation took its toll on Danny as well, but his love and support never wavered. It was hard for him. He went through depression. He went days without eating. He went through without sleeping. He, it affects, he, it affects our family members too. It doesn't just affect us, it affects our family members. He showed me, he's very patient with me. After my deportation, when I came back, I wasn't the same, like I was not the same. And any other man would have been like, you know what, I'm not dealing with you, like goodbye. And he didn't, he actually stood by me he gave me my, my time. He, he showed me love. He showed me, like, it's okay. We, we're going to get through this. But her fight to stay home is far from over. 
Crystal still has to go through the challenging process of filing for asylum. The judge even told me that he believed my story, that he was sorry that all of this happened. The attorney that had that was fighting against me even said that he was sorry that he believed me. But he said, and I quote what he said, he said, El Salvador is more safer than the United States. When he told me that, I was like, excuse me? I said, here in America, if somebody gets raped, something gets done. Yes, there's a lot of police brutality here. Yes, there's a lot of bad things, but not as bad as El Salvador, where you have skeletons right there in the yard, or you have skeletons in the road, where you have police threatening you, where you have police doing the same thing to women. Like, there is nothing in El Salvador that is safer than the United States of America. My rapist got a hold of me on Facebook and told me that he was going to find me and I was always going to be his gringa and that nobody or no nothing was going to be able to protect me. My only chance of surviving and my only chance of living was coming back home. This is my home. I've been here since I was three months. I've worked here. My children are here. I paid taxes. I got married. My whole life is here. A judge denied Crystal's asylum. She appealed the decision, which went to the Board of Appeals in Texas. Once again, her appeal was denied. Now her appeal goes to the federal court. But Crystal will fight as long as it takes to be reunited with the family she hasn't seen in years. When I came home, I reached out to the foster parent. I told him, I was like, I don't want to see my kids. Please let me see my kids. They told me no. They said I had to wait a whole year. It's been three years that I haven't seen my children. And the one thing that I want in my life is to at least see my kids again. <laughs> to at least show them that I didn't give up on them. And that I'm here. And that mommy never abandoned them. I haven't seen my parents like three, four years because of my deportation. My father has a lot of health issues. So um, driving from North Carolina to Pennsylvania is too much for him. <laughs> So now that I'm back, I definitely do want to go see them. But with everything going on with immigration and they're just like, it's, it's hard right now. But we FaceTime, um, we talk to each other. I mean, it's not the same thing, but at least I hear their voices. With everything that's have happened to me, it's made me a lot stronger but it's broken me. It's broken me a lot. I am not the same person. And just a reminder in the back of my head, like there's a slight chance that immigration can deport me again. It scares the hell out of me. It scares me. Because I don't want to go through that trauma again. Even living in constant fear, Crystal continues to survive and currently works as a home care aide for a quadriplegic man whom she loves and cares for like a father. No matter what happens, Crystal's love for her children gives her the strength and hope for the future. I try to tell Crystal, always stay positive, always stay positive. 
no matter how much negative you have, stay positive. I really don't wish this on, I don't wish this on my worst enemy. I really don't to get deported and, you know, not, not know nothing. That's, that's a horrible feeling when you can't do nothing. So for anybody who's gonna hear my story, she's gotta keep pushing and keep living because at the end of the day, a lot has happened, but you're gonna hold your head up high and don't ever put your head down. You hold your head up real high and you say to yourself, because that's what I say to myself every single day, is, I got this. And I might not get what I want now, I might not get what I want tomorrow or in months, but I'm alive and just keep striving for greatness. And that's for my children. Maybe I'll get to see them again one day. At least let me see this. At least let me hold them. I would give anything if you just give me an hour. Or even five minutes, just so I can hug all of them and kiss them all and be like, Mommy's here and Mommy will always be here for you. For Ayana, she's my oldest. Um, I thank her because um, when my heart was cold, she warmed it up. She really did. <laughs> Mia, regardless of how I got conceived Mia, that is my baby. And she showed me to keep pushing. That no matter what, you keep pushing. Brayden, he showed me never to give up. That little boy showed me never to give up. Zeke, he showed me how to smile again. Oh, that's my goofball. He showed me how to smile again. And Riley, she taught me that there's a, there's a light always. I could be in the darkest room, but there's always a light. On the next episode of Unerased, the deportation of adoptees in America. I wish they wouldn't have let me in the country in 1972 when I was four years old. I wish they would have just said, no, 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 no. You ain't adopting him. You ain't, you ain't bringing him here. You ain't, you, ain't, you ain't doing this. But to bring me to the U.S. and live there for 49 years and then all of a sudden just say, hey, we're putting you on an airplane. You're leaving. I mean... That, that, that tore me up. Unerased, the deportation of adoptees in America was created on behalf of Focus Features and co-produced by Focus Features and Treefort Media. I'm your host, Dino Ray Ramos. Executive producers are Kelly Gardner and Lisa Ammerman. Written and produced by Matthew Kugler. Tom Monahan is our senior audio engineer and sound supervisor, with production and editing by Maxwell Carney. Consulting producer, Tim Schauer. Additional production help from Haley Mandelberg and Justin Washington, with special thanks to Christopher Larson and Anissa Druzito from Adoptee Advocacy. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts to raise awareness about this crisis so more people can hear these unimaginable stories. Inspired by true events, the new film Blue Bayou shines an important light on the impact our immigration policies have on American families today. Watch Focus Features Blue Bayou only in theaters September 17th. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 